Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Ness and Dorm, everybody. It's Lee here again, but I'm just doing one of my quick intros because it's another interview that we've got for you in this episode. It's Rob Smythe is talking to Tom Flight, author of You're Joking, Aren't You?, about the incredible Middlesbrough season, 1996-97. Incredible season for English football, but Middlesbrough especially. Um, I remember it because I was living in Middlesbrough at the time. As regular listeners will know, I've mentioned a few times. So I'm looking forward to this as much as you are. So enjoy it. Enjoy your summer. Here's the interview. Oh, well, hi, Tom. Thanks for coming on. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about your book, how it came about, um, your kind of personal situation your memories of that year and also the title which i guess will be unfamiliar to a lot of non-borough fans yeah so um yes i uh i've been a sort of trying to be a sports writer i've been doing a little bit of freelance writing um and i was writing for a few websites in america which is where i live at the moment um about different sports like basketball and uh american football but i've been trying to write more about uh soccer they call soccer, it there. yeah yeah <laughs> So I was, uh, I was p- pitching a few articles to some freelance websites and I pitched an article to a magazine about uh, Middlesbrough's 96-97 season. And it, did, it actually got rejected, but my wife knew... She found it interesting and she said I should probably write a book about it. So I thought, okay. So I sent a pitch off to Pitch Publishing thinking that you know nothing would come of it. And then they replied saying that they wanted to... Uh, uh, write, uh, publish a book. So uh, that's how it came about. How old would you? Uh, have been... I grew up. Uh... How, sorry, sorry, I was going to say, how old would you have been that season? Um, I was born in '86, so I turned ten in November of that season. So mm. I was nine years old. Perfect. So it was kind of the perfect time. Yeah, when you, when, you know everything was so good. Like you and you and '86 had just happened, so it was it was a really exciting time to be a Borough fan. Um, yeah, so seasons is always just kind of like been lodged in my memory um with a title uh you're joking aren't you that's kind of a phrase that's local used uh it, it is associated with that season because uh they recorded a song for the FA Cup final and all the different foreign players 
all had a little line, like Janino had a little line in Brazilian and uh, Festa had a line in Italian. And there was Phil Stamp, who was a local player, who said, Phil Stamp from Borough, you're joking, aren't you? And uh, I, I just think that kind of phrase kind of sums up that season for a lot of Borough fans. They, so many amazing things happened, so many terrible things happened. And the only real expression you can have is this, you must be joking. <laughs> Yeah, so that made, I guess most people know the basic story that they got to two cup finals and were relegated. But the kind of the, the whole kind of surreal um, feeling around the club started even before the season, didn't it? Signing a European Cup winner in Fabrizio Ravanelli. And obviously the year early, you'd signed Janino, which I guess was a, a landmark signing, even though he wasn't as well known. He was um, mm-hmm. still a Brazilian international and obviously became, I don't know, probably the club's greatest ever player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's what. Uh kind of made it what made it so amazing for I guess the whole football league is that in that time in, during my time in the Premier League there were a lot of kind of foreign players who were starting to move to the Premier League mm. but they were usually there was usually a reason why they were going to Premier League mm. rather than another league like you know even people like Cantona like he was kind of ostracized and uh you know Bergkamp had been kind of a flop in Italy mm. uh, and players like Hullet it was kind of past it even Klinsman at Spurs he was was I think he was in his thirties when he signed in '94, uh, but Middlesbrough were signing players that were uh, you know in their prime or you know players for the future. Like Janino was 22, so that, that was what kind of made Ravanelli. He just scored in the Champions League final. Uh, you know he he was at the the peak of his career and he decided to trade that in for Teesside. So I think that's what well, that's what made it kind of amazing. And even Emerson was. He was Portuguese Player of the Year. Uh, you know, Bobby Robson absolutely loved him, and mm. he was so desperate to get out of Porto. I think there was payment signed for Middlesbrough in May. The season had barely finished, and he'd, he'd already, if Bobby Robson then ended up taking a Barcelona job, and if he had, if Emerson had stuck around, I think Bobby Robson would have taken him to Barcelona, and that would have been a, a completely different career for him. Yeah, he's an interesting player, isn't he? Slightly forgotten, maybe, maybe because of what happened subsequently. I don't know because he, he did do a huge amount, um, kind of compared to the expectation and the amount of talent he had. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was watching Emerson, like he was such a, you know, you'd never seen a player like him in, in the Premier League before, that kind of deep lying playmaker kind of role. Uh, I mean, I, he, he obviously was a little bit unstable off the pitch and, you know, he had personal problems, which left, which resulted in him kind of disappearing with his wife during the season. Um, when he when he when you look at interviews now, he kind of has regret about the way he handled things at Middlesbrough. But you have to kind of think if he had gone to Barcelona or if he had taken a different path, he could have been, you know, one of the best players in Europe. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? How many players do just take innocently take one move move as opposed to another, and it just like a massive fork in the road in their careers just sets you on a completely different path. Um, yeah. Janino, tell us about him because as a neutral, he was the one I guess who charmed everyone. Certainly, I, I I just fell in love with him that spring of '97. It just felt like he was doing something, either a goal and assist or both, something brilliant almost every week. Yeah, well, I think the way his signing came about because uh, he he come with Brazil in that in the Umbro Cup in the summer of '95 mm. in England, that kind of Euro '96 kind of uh, pre-tournament thing, uh, and he was. Almost kind of the, the Brazil were kind of showcasing the kind of future future team after the team. And that ninety four team was quite kind of old. So mm-hmm. in this new team, people like Roberto Carlos and Ronaldo were in that squad. And Janino was in some ways the kind of the star of it. He was a number ten. I mean, he was taking free 
Roberto Carlos he scored. Mm. Um, and I think that's what kind of definitely captured Brian Robson's imagination. So when, so when Middlesbrough signed him, uh, I think everyone's imagination just kind of got caught because they'd signed this you know Brazilian superstar, but no one had really, you know, there's no you know YouTube highlights or anything. Uh, so when he came, there was the people at the airport to see him. It was like you know a pope had visited, and <laughs> then they all went to they all went to the stadium to see him kick some balls. So he came with such uh, high expectations. And because so many um, so many clubs were after him, but he chose Middlesbrough, I think that Middlesbrough fans just kind of took him to heart because he he kind of he chose Middlesbrough and he seemed uh, determined to make them uh, a, you know a force in Europe. It was it was more than just the money with, with Rabanelli and even Emerson to an extent, money that pulled him there. Whereas Nino was uh, from the start, he kind of took the town to to heart and. Uh, I, and that's kind of how he, he kept, why he kept coming back. Like throughout his career, he had two other spells. Mm. Um, but yeah, but as a player, it it did take him a while to kind of um, integrate into Robson's team because in the ninety five ninety six season, Borough started the season brilliantly. Mm. Um, and I think you said you watched a lot of the games back, and Janino was even better than you thought. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I, I think I was fully prepared because growing up as a Borough fan, Janino was kind of like a uh, like an icon, like you know. And so when I went back to the watch games, I was fully prepared to kind of have a revisionist and realize that maybe poor. But yeah, looking back, he was he was better than I, I can even remember. I mean, he he did the so many great goals that I completely forgotten about. But there was a I think you mentioned it that, that there was that run of games in March where Borough won four games. He was player of the month. He scored about 16 goals, and every goal he was taking on players, scoring, assisting. It was just, it was, it was pretty amazing. On, on a serious note, were you slightly, um, not scared, but slightly, was there a slight trepidation about going back to those videos? Because it's such a, I guess it's such a cherished memory, him in particular, that you kind of don't want to compromise your childhood by finding out actually wasn't that good. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of it. It's not yeah, quite I, the I same. Think- I was going to say, it's not quite the same example, but I always remember growing up, there was a Jim Layton save from Alan McAnally that stayed in my head as being one of the all-time great saves. And then YouTube appeared, yeah. and, and it is a brilliant save, but it's nowhere near as good as it was in my head. No, I know what you mean, yeah. Like, when you read about sort of old goals in the World Cup, yeah. I can actually watch them, and you realise, yeah, what's the big deal? Yeah. I think, I think there was a little bit of that, but I also think, and a few fans who have read the book or bought the book have told me that with this season... Um, it's almost like a some almost have like a kind of PT about it. They kind yeah. of don't want to go back and relive it because uh, and a few a few people have said that they've never really been able to enjoy football the same because the season just got their hopes up so much. But um, they they've never really been able to really enjoy the the times after as much. Uh, and I, I I kind of see that. That's why I was kind of that's why I wanted to go back because I thought it'd be kind of cathartic to kind of yeah. find out what really happened and. Um, yeah, I know what you mean though. Yeah, but I, I, I thought that would happen. But you know, I think he was, he he was, yeah, better, better than I thought it would be. And it's just, it's just interesting because the one thing that he kind of didn't possess was he never had the hardest shot. Like mm. his, his shot power was never the hardest. And I just wonder if because I look at people that players that are similar to him these days, like Messi and Coutinho were similar 
um, similar kind of size. Yeah, they can ping they can ping shots in from thirty yards, no problem. I, I just wonder if you need if there's something they do differently in training where they the shooting power and accuracy of these top players. I just wonder if if Giannini was playing today, it would be different. Did he actually try shooting from that distance much? Um, maybe. I mean, yeah. I I just I do have memories of him kind of taking corners and not being able to clear the first mile. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, so yeah, it's just some, yeah. That, that was the one thing about his game which he lacked, but every, everything else he was he was brilliant. So the the season actually started pretty well, didn't it? Two back to back home games. I think he scored four in both. One at Everton. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there was an abysmal run. Is there any um, any particular reason, given that they've been pretty solid in 95-6 as well and had a good, solid first season in the Premier League, is there any reason why things are generated? Or, or is it, as is usually the case with these things, kind of a, a series of factors that come together? Yeah, I think the um, basically the defence was awful. And I think um, that was kind of covered up in the early games. It, and the first game of the season against uh, Liverpool, Revenade scored, and that was such a euphoric day mm. that people weren't really paying attention to the like absolutely invisible defending. That <laughs> yeah, did. And then Coventry four nil, and I was looking back at a match report, um, and they were saying that Borough's attacking was world class, but they were describing the defence as Sunday League. I think Coventry had like three or four chances where they should have scored. Yeah, and I think. Um, that just started to it, it kind of correct. We had a great start and the players were loving it. Um, but then there was a game away at Southampton where we got absolutely hammered 4 uh, 0. Letitia scored straight from a corner and then he scored another one. And I think that was just psychologically, I think that just kind of damaged the club. We lost we lost 3 0 away at, no, we lost 3 0 at home to Spurs and then we lost 2 0 to Arsenal just before Wenger arrived and both. Just, just comical defensive errors, mm. um, and I think like Robinelli and Emerson were so kind of jubilant at the start, and then I think it kind of hit home to them that they were playing at seriously lower level than they were used to, mm. um, and I think that that affected their performance. And then the injuries started coming. We we did have an absolutely unbelievable run of bad luck with injuries, um, and they piled up, and then in, by November, Emerson. It packed up and left with his wife, so he went missing for a month. Yeah, so it, it was mainly the defence was the uh, problem. Robson just didn't, he never really looked at the defence. Who would have uh, been who would, who would have been the biggest loss among the longer term injuries? And uh, definitely uh, Nigel Pearson. Even though he he did have a pretty poor start to the season, he um, had a really bad neck injury in October. Um, and I think when he, he he was out for four months, and I think just hit, just having him present, just losing his presence was a big factor. Mm. As, as his, him as a captain was uh, was pretty bad. To the players I talked to, they they said they they noticed like his loss when he wasn't in the dressing room it was noticeable. And when he came back in, uh, we signed Fester um, in January, and then we finally partnered him with Pearson. And Pearson had a brilliant end to the season. Um, so he, so he, he still had it. His his body was falling apart, but he was still a top defender. Mm. Uh, yeah, that kind of play is so important, aren't they? Um, yeah. And I, I guess most people remember the Borough ultimately went down because they pulled out of the Blackburn game just just before Christmas, I think. Um, yeah. What's the story there? And from your point of view, do you think they were hard done by? What's um, I know you spoke to some of the players. What did they say about it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely kind of the most controversial day in Borough's history. Um, is that right? I mean, Saturday, know, Saturday before Christmas, is that right? It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was December 21st that they, uh, it was a Friday that they called the game off. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the Wednesday or the, the match before was against Liverpool at Anfield and we got absolutely destroyed 5-1 uh, or four goals. I think we were 4-0 down at half time. Best performances you, you, you'd ever see. And I think that kind of had a traumatic experience on Robson. And then we had this injury crisis and then this flu uh, went through the squad. Um, so there was nine or 10 players out with flu. Um, and I think, and I think the fit the trip, wasn't sure if, you know, you know, it's a bit like with this COVID thing. They, they said, we've got so many players today, but by tomorrow we might have even more people out. Yeah. Um, so they, so I think Robson and, and he panicked and he called the Premier League. Um, and I think this is where it gets a little bit kind of murky because they, they clearly went for advice, but they didn't get through to the right person. Mm. Um, uh, Rick Parry, uh, the chief of the, F, of the FA, or the, chief of the Premier League, sorry, he wasn't available. So they, they were speaking to some guy called Mr. Cook who clearly wasn't an authority. Mm. And I think Robson was kind of hearing what he wanted to hear. Yeah. He was, I think he was kind of saying, well, you can call the game off, but we don't really know what the rules are. So Robson went ahead and called the game off. Um, if he'd spoken to the right person, I think they would have said, you can't call the game off. Mm. Uh, get, on, get on with it. Mm. And that, that would have put it to bed. But because there was obviously this conversation, uh, they went ahead and called the game off. And once they'd done it, they couldn't really go back. Mm. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it does show naivety from the club. But, as I mean, I, I, I try to stay kind of um, balanced in the book, but I, I, I do feel that the FA should accept some responsibility. Mm. And they, they basically didn't. You talk about naivety uh, at the club. I was going to say, do you think it shows also just how kind of naive football was generally, even though it was the Premier League era, and it was still that kind of... I don't know, it just still felt quite small and innocent, certainly compared to now. You couldn't imagine that happening now. There would be clear kind of lines of um, lines of people they would go through and get their advice and whatever. Probably There's probably a regulation saying what happens. It just feels like everything yeah. was a little bit more ad hoc then. I think so, yeah. And I think they, they, the rules weren't clear. But there, was a, there was a rule that kind of was in the rule book where if a club had just cause to call a game off they could do it mm. there wasn't there wasn't clear exactly what just cause meant mm. and i think it came down to the fact that if you have 11 players who are fit then you have to play the game and middlesbrough had 11 players they had, they had 17 fit players but five of them had never played before mm. and three of them were goalkeepers <laughs> so, I think, so so basically um he's gonna be, he's gonna put put out um absolute bare bones team yeah uh, so, so, so I think about, so that's why, I, I mean, I, I, if you talk to people, I, I listen to a few pod, you know, with this COVID thing going on, there's been quite a few like looking back podcasts and mm. everyone seems to have the opinion that Middlesbrough were, you know, acted really unprofessionally and they, they deserved everything they got. But I, I think that if you, if you accept, if you actually look at it, they went to the Premier League for advice and they weren't given the correct advice. So that's giving such a harsh penalty. Penalty uh, is not right, and there is. I mean, this could be me supporting a smaller club, but I definitely feel like if a bigger club had done this, then they, they wouldn't have been so harsh. I mean, Borough fans like to say that if Ferguson or Wenger had called up, they would have got a get well soon card from the FA. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting. It's funny you said. I've never thought that Borough 
were particularly out of order. I thought they were, like you said, naive at, at worst. But um, yeah, and I guess it's not just. But was it three points they lost? Three points, yeah. And obviously, had they played the game and lost six nil, they'd have stayed up on goal difference. I think is that right? That's right. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah I think it's. Yeah. I think seven nil they would have um, yeah. they would have stayed up on goal scored, and, and I think that's why it became so controversial is that because we got relegated by two points, um, this that's why it became such a such a big deal. Um, the League Cup run of the first of the two finals is interesting actually. I, I, I remembered the obviously the Leicester final and that they beat Stockport in the semis, and I'd completely forgotten that they beat both Newcastle and Liverpool, uh, who were both mm. title challengers on the way. Um, and what's interesting about that, particularly the Newcastle game, is that that came when the league form was all over the show. Um, so those two must have been two pretty special occasions, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, we beat Newcastle in the last 16 and we beat Liverpool in the quarterfinals. Um, uh, on both games, when we played Newcastle, they were top of the league. They just, I think it was just, they just beat United 5-0. Mm. And, uh, and Liverpool were top in the, when we played them in the quarterfinal. And of course, they beat yeah. 5-1 a month earlier. Or... Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and why it's so interesting um, because that Newcastle game we were was in the league without a win and that Newcastle game came in the middle of it mm. and Emerson had been out for he disappeared for three games and then he turned up the day the Newcastle game played played brilliantly <laughs> and, then he, and then he just disappeared again for another month so, <laughs> so yeah so it was a really bizarre game and that, and, and that was that Newcastle game where Janino really kind of like took over and that's another thing is that he got injured uh, the next game away at Villa, and he ended up taking a month off. But he, he had a, he had an absolutely a, amazing performance against uh, Newcastle uh, when we went three one. And it's pro- it's probably worth stressing that in those days, pretty much every team, with maybe one or two exceptions, put out the strongest eleven, didn't they, in the, the uh, League Cup? So it's not like you beat Newcastle reserves or anything. No, yeah, no. I think uh, Shearer was playing. Um, yeah, I think they had a full strength team. I think Espria was playing as well. Uh, Liverpool, yeah, Fowler, I mean, they were all playing. And I've asked the other amazing thing looking back. I had this injury crisis, but Robson never ever thought about playing a you know resting players for a cup cup yeah for a cup match. Um, when we when we played Hereford in the in the third in the second. Um, we we won seven nil. Rabinelli scored four. Emerson scored. Juninho played. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, diff- different times. Um, and then the final. Um, you were obviously how many minutes were you away from winning it at the first game? Uh so we we scored half of extra time. I think mm. minutes. So we uh, we had twenty minutes where we were we were leading, and then Heskey bundled in the the last minute goal. And I think I think yeah. you said that kind of window between Ravenelli and Heskey is that your favourite memory of the season? Yeah, I think yeah because Middlesbrough had never been to a major cup final before, um, and I think and we just had that brilliant march where Robson and Robson was player, player uh, manager of the month, Inio was player of the month, so we were in great form, and we just hammered Leicester at Philbert, where Juninho had you know mm. again maybe his best ever performance. He absolutely tore them apart. Uh, so we went in with a lot of confidence, and it was just, it was just a great day. And um, and that Leicester game ended up the the game in the league ended up being almost the reason why we didn't win. 
Martin O'Neill realized that the only way to stop Middlesbrough was to stop Juninho. Mm. So he put he uh, instructed Pontus Carmark, the Swedish defender, to man mark him, mm. and he just had a brilliant game. He just absolutely shadowed Juninho all over the pitch, and Juninho just didn't, didn't have a sniff all game. And then in extra time, uh, Juninho finally broke away. He had one moment when he burst into the box, and the ball came loose to Ravanelli, who smashed it into the goal. I just remember that. The, the atmosphere of those 20 minutes when we were winning and it felt like we were going to win the cup was just like unlike anything we, uh, I'd ever experienced. Mm. And um, the replay, where was the replay? It wasn't at Wembley, was it? No, it was at Hillsborough. Uh, okay, and um, yeah, and obviously Leicester won 1-0. Um, yeah. How, I don't remember much about that game. Was it was it the same with Janini? Was he marked by a call mark? He was, yeah. And it, and it went to extra time again. It was 0-0 in, in normal time and it went to extra time. Um, and it was just a, it was just a different. Um, I talked to Andy Campbell, who was a, he was in the in the squad. Mm. When I talked to him for the book, he said that it felt like um, it, it didn't have the same feel. It just felt like another match because we were deep in the relegation battle at that point. Yeah, uh, we had a we had a match against Sunderland on the weekend. This was on a Wednesday night. Yes, and whereas Leicester, you know, their season was over. Basically, they they were they were get, they were going to stay up. They were way mm. off the relegation zone. So this was their last game. The weekend before we had they played Arsenal in the league and they rested like eight players mm. whereas we had an FA Cup semi-final against Chesterfield oh yeah of course so in terms of preparation you know it was things the games were coming so quick and fast and every game meant so much and we had this re- sandwich in the middle of these two massive games and it was just it was just a different feel and then Leicester scored the goal in extra time and it was just it was, it was demoralizing mm. um Craig Hignett actually he had signed up to come speak at my school, and it was. He must have. I I talked, to him and he said, um, but he must have signed up for it a few months earlier because it ended up being the day after that final. Yeah, remember? I can remember him just looking so depressed. Oh, like a, bunch of, a bunch of school kids were asking questions, and he was just like, "This had the worst defeat of his career." God. Um, was there anything they could have done differently? I'm thinking particularly in the first game. They, they. I think you mentioned this before. They didn't use any substitutes today. No, yeah, um, and I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, that's probably comes into the naivety of Robson as well. I think if it, if things were going well, he just didn't make a change. Mm. And it's similar to um, to Euro '96 mm. against Germany, where is that right? They yeah, that's right. They, they made they made subs in the quarters against Spain, but not against Germany, which has always fascinated me. As far as I'm aware, no one's ever asked for any balls, but I, I, I don't know. I wonder if Robson picked something up. I don't know. Picked something yeah. up unconsciously from that. Because I know that Clayton Blackmore was on the bench, and with his experience and his, he, I think he would have been able to kind of slow the game down a bit because because Mills were such a frantic team to close the game out yeah so uh they, they were winning they were one up against leicester but they were still pouring forward to try and get that second and that ultimately is what gave the opening to leicester to equalize hmm. um yeah. and the fa cup run i guess uh we'll talk about chesterfield which everyone remembers what would be the other highlights of that run to the final um he we went to goals, uh, in the quarterfinal Sorry. Yeah, so we 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 had a couple lower league oppositions. We we hammered Chesterfield, Chester, oh, sorry Chester six nil, um, and then because Middlesbrough before this they'd been to the quarterfinal eight times and never ever got past the, the quarterfinal stage. Yeah, so we went to Derby. We had to baseball ground against Derby in the, for the quarterfinal, 
and um, Giannino and Ravinelli both scored two great goals. So that was a really great uh, experience. Uh, when I talked to Ben Roberts, uh, he mentioned that the atmosphere in the dressing room after that game was, was unreal. Derby were a good side, weren't they? I know you thrashed them 6-1, but they, they weren't a bad side. They won at United that season. I think they drew at Arsenal. That's some really good players. Yeah. Yeah, they could, yeah. And Jim Smith. Hmm. Um, I, I, they probably had Steve McLaren as their assistant, I think. I think they point. did, yeah. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. I think yeah. they did, yeah. Yeah. And um, Chesterfield, that's one of the crazier FA Cup semi-finals. What, what do you remember about it? Is there anything that stood out when you look back on the game? Uh, yeah, I was, at, I was at that game and it was, def- it was definitely the best football match I've ever been to. Mm. Um, and I think the, that, that, season, that Middlesbrough season is, is encapsulated into one match almost. There were so many highs <laughs> yeah. and there were so many downs as well. I mean, we, we got down to 10 men in the and we hammered Chester. I, didn't, I kind of forgot about this, but we did really. We hammered Chesterfield in the first half. We had mm. so many shots, so many chances, but they held on to, to nil nil. Sean Dyche was in the. Mm. And then they came out in the, third, in the second half, scored two. And then our comeback, I, 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 I kind of forgot, but everything happened within a kind of 10 minute space. Mm. Uh, Chesterfield took two goals, and then almost within 10 minutes, we were, we were level again. Mm. And it was, it was a real end to end game. Um, it was it was it was just a crazy game. Mm. Yeah, it was, and I and I guess with those kind of games, often you find this, this, the replay is a comfortable win for the superior team, which is which mm-hmm. is what happens. Yeah, and it, and it, that was at Hillsborough again. So that was after that we lost. So that, that that was a really good game. Did Emerson um, score a really good goal in that game? Yeah, so we went three 0 He scored like a twenty yard kind of volley yeah. uh, to kind of close the game out. So that, that was, I, I remember that being a real feel good, feel good night. You could almost, um, you could almost tell the story of the season in three. It's it's really interesting. They had three really high profile, three all draws: Liverpool on the opening day, Chesterfield, and then away to Man United, who are about to become champions, mm-hmm. right at the kind of business end in the relegation battle. And and actually, Borough were three one up at half time, weren't they? And I, the reason I remember that is that um, earlier this year, when City, Man City, were three 0 up at. United in the League Cup at half time. It was the first time any side had scored three at Old Trafford since '97, and immediately oh, yeah. I remembered it was Barrow who'd done that. So that was yet another crazy game. Yeah, well, actually, we were we were three two up at half time. Oh, of course, Gary Neville scored, didn't he? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think that's the that's when it kind of momentum <laughs> shifted. I think if we'd stayed on, I think it was Gary Neville's first goal of his yeah, uh, career as well. So it's just like that's just like typical of Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yeah, it was a crazy game because we started brilliant. Janino scored probably my favourite ever Middlesbrough goal, but a really mm. good team goal. And then Rabinelli went off. And then Chris Freestone, who uh, barely, barely kicked the he came on and uh, absolutely bossed my United defence and set up two goals mm. uh, to, for us to go 3 1 up. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's one of those games where you look back and think, God, if we had just stayed on, you know, we would have stayed up. But. Um, yeah, it was a crazy game. Because actually, Borough's form in the league from, from I guess, from that Derby 6-1 at the start of March was really good, wasn't it? I guess they just had too much ground to make up. Yeah. So we had, and the other problem was that we had that great run in, in March and then we finished off okay. But in the middle of that, we played West Ham, Forest and Sunderland, who were all kind of our rivals in relegation. Yeah. And we, uh, we moved them and then lost to Sunderland. 
And if, if we'd won just one of them, which we should have won at least one of them, um, it would have been different. What happened? But, what happened with the Sunderland game? Because that looks like the one that really was costly. Was was that a hangover from the League Cup defeat a few days earlier? Because Sunderland, yeah. were te- Sunderland weren't a great side, but they obviously got relegated as well. Yeah, it was. That was that was absolutely a miserable game. And Janino was injured. Well, he wasn't injured. I think he was. He basically had just kind of run out of steam, so he he didn't start the game. He came on um, in the second half. Um, and it was just one of those games where Beck hit the post, and we just it just, it just didn't seem right from the start. Chris Waddle had just signed for Sunderland, and Borough fans were winding him up, and he was <laughs> kind of winding them up. And it had a really it had a really like kind of nasty atmosphere to the whole game. Mm. And then basically, yeah, they, they got the goal from the corner. Um, we were so bad at defending corners all season, and and that's what did us in. And it came down to the last day of the season, Leeds away. And I think, is it right to say that if you won, you would definitely stay up? And if you drew, you pretty much couldn't. Or was it dependent on other results as well? Uh, we needed Sunderland to lose, which oh, okay. we did. Which they did. Yeah, they, lo- they lost to Wimbledon. Um, yeah, so if we if, if they'd lost we, when we won, we would have stayed up. And Co- Coventry, they beat Spurs and they needed yes. us both. They need both teams up to win. Um, yeah, and, and that, was, that was torturous because George Graham was Leeds manager and that... That that was uh, that lead side was almost like a parody of a George. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it was it was just this awful. I think I think they had nine nil nil draws. Do you know? I re- I remember one of those Blackburn at home. I think it was around April. And it was a Monday night, and it was just the most appalling game. Yeah. It was honestly, I I think it might be the worst football game I've ever seen. So yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Yeah, I, it was like a boiling hot day as well. Um, and it was, yeah, I, I think Leeds hadn't scored at home since early March and Brian Dean scored with like 20 minutes to go. And it was almost like they'd forgotten how to celebrate a goal. Mm. And then we, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough just, um, Rabinelli was, he was he was injured. Emerson went off injured. Uh, like players were just kind of like falling, breaking apart. Juninho mm. um, scored towards the end and he had a great chance. He he scored to make it 1-1 with 10 minutes to go and then Leeds kicked off and he immediately got the ball back, uh, sprinted forward. He fred it through to Mikkel Beck um, and Chris Freestone was free on seen him. He would have put him through on goal but Beck didn't see him and then ended up losing the ball. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that was absolutely, that was miserable. Yeah, I feel like that is probably the defining image, certainly as a neutral of the season is Giannini on the pitch in tears at the end. Because he, because he, he, I guess he, he'd always kind of been honest. Because I think yeah. Mario Zagallo, the Brazil manager, he said that he's not going to pick anyone who wasn't playing in a top. Um, so Genia was pretty open. You know, if we get relegated, I'm going to have to move on. Mm. Uh, and it's clear that he didn't want to do that. Like he'd kind of fallen in love with the with the town and the team. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty heartbreaking to to see. And looking looking back. Um, was the FA Cup final even before Di Matteo scored after whatever it was twenty seconds? Was that kind of a bridge too far, given all the psychological blows of losing the final and then relegation? Was it always going to go one way? I, 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 that's how I kind of remember it, um, and then talking to the way the players describe it now, uh, it was just it was just a really, really surreal day, and I think. I think the squad after the three point deduction and then with the two cup runs, they, the team had kind of rallied, mm. um, and then you know it, it kind of sparked this like good form towards the end of the season. But then once it once they kind of like once it kind of became for nothing when they did get relegated, I think 
the players were just kind of sick of each other. You know, they mm. they just been relegated. They had a whole other week of training and another. And Rob Ravenelli and Neil Cox it like had that bust up before yeah. the game. Uh, and I think, yeah, I, 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 looking back, I think the players were just yeah. It was just one game too many, and it was after you had that terrible start. You know, you, you know, you never know. Like maybe if we hadn't conceded in the first minute, it might have been different. But after that, after Di Matteo scored, it was it was almost over mm. then. It's interesting, isn't it? It's certainly in modern football, maybe even back then, most um, most chairmen and probably most managers would rather finish 17th than finish 18th and get two cup finals. Yet, Borough's legacy is so much greater. It's quite interesting, really. No one's writing a book about a team that finished 17th in, you know, Coventry in 96-97. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, There's... if you talk to fans about it... Like... Would you rather have the cup run, or would you rather, and, and get relegated? You know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's like it's like it's an interesting. I, I think as a fan, it's, I think it's really sad the way that we don't really care about cup competitions anymore. Yeah, me too. It's it's really I don't know how you change it, but um, but yeah, I agree. But there is glory in it. I know, obviously, it ended pretty miserably, and but you th- football supporting in particular is about experience, isn't it? You think about all the the rich experiences a Borough fan had that season, good and bad. They're probably unmatched. Yeah. I mean, how how would it compare from your point of view to um, say to two thousand three four when you won the league cup and two thousand five six when you had those two astonishing comebacks in Europe? I think yeah, I, mean, I think that's why it's um, interesting because I was talking to Rob Nichols of the Fly Me to the Moon, mm. he, he, the fanzine for Middlesbrough, and he was kind of saying that. After this season, because there, there was so much hope and optimism going into it, and and all the, and all that was just like dashed in such a devastating way, he, he kind of didn't trust himself to really enjoy the highs of those years. Yeah. So, um, in, so in, in a way, this season, it, winning that cup was great, and it was the first trophy that we ever won. And that European Cup run was obviously was crazy, but in a way, this ninety six season, ninety six ninety seven season, has left a more kind of indelible ball uh, because of the because of a journey. Mm. And that's kind of what I was trying to trying to write. I was trying to kind of write a tribute to the to the journey of it all, um, and you know, just to you know, even even some naivety. I think it it was a period where the club can be kind of proud of what they what they did. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think any casual football fan will remember that Borough team. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right. Just looking, even just look at the board details of the season are so many dramatic games and ups and downs and um, crazy things like the Blackburn thing and obviously Ravenelli and Emerson walking out when they did um, yeah. yeah it's a hell of a story um, yeah. what's your kind of um, how do you feel about it now you, you said that you felt almost like a lot of people felt like they couldn't touch those memories did, did you feel happy about doing the book do you feel like it's I don't know um, you're able to enjoy the experience of it more again now or is it still quite painful to think about how the season ended uh there there is still like pangs of disappointment uh when i when i think about certain moments but as a whole you know with kind of 25 years to to look back i i do i do i do enjoy looking back at the season mm. um and i'd like to say in terms of moments there were so many great moments and and there's just so many goals. I mean, we scored 94 times that season. That's a hell of a uh, lot like, for a relegate team. I know it's in all competitions, yeah. but that's a hell yeah. of a lot. And, uh, you know, I think there were nine times we scored at three, three or more in the league. 
and you know we, we just don't really get that anymore um so i think that, that and talking to the people who read the book i think this most people seem to they, they the time because it was such a an extraordinary time and it's just it's just hard to kind of like describe what it was like to be to be uh to be a Middlesbrough fan and go the kind of like the headline headlines Middlesbrough were used to kind of being the team that no one really kind of the team that kind of people kind of forget about yeah uh, but we were we were really at the forefront of the of the league for a for a year there and it was uh, that's why it was such a memorable time mm. yeah well it's a cracking book I enjoyed it massively um thanks very much for coming on yeah thank you. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.